Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning. Welcome to Spotlight on Maryland. It's your host, Gina Crash, for the next half hour or so, and I'm so excited to welcome back to the show. It's been a little while. It's been a minute, as they say. We have Leah Paley with us. She is the executive director of... LARS is what we call it, but it's, it stands for Laurel Advocacy and Referral Services. You've been doing great work there for um, how many years now, Leah? Yeah, so um, the organization has been around since 1987, so we're talking about 34 years, and, and I've been there 10 years. That's incredible, and I'm so excited for people who you know may not be familiar with Lars and uh, and what you do. And we'll probably refer to most people just call it Lars just for sake of uh, brevity. There, I guess. Um, yes, easy peasy, <laughs> lemon squeezy. You got it. So, if, if anybody hopefully is out there listening this morning and wants to know, um, you know what Lars does, please uh, enlighten us all. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so in 1987, a group of congregations that were located in the Laurel area came together. They were having a similar problem. People were coming to their doors asking for assistance, whether it be food, housing, referrals, and they were not trained and they weren't as knowledgeable as they knew people within the human service field would be. And so they came together and they started the organization and it's grown exponentially over the years. So from serving a few dozen people, People who are centralized in the Laurel community to now serving close to a thousand households annually in the greater Laurel area. We serve four zip codes, and that includes a zip code in Howard County, 20723, a zip code in Anne Arundel County, 20724, and then two zip codes in Prince George's County, and that's 20707 and 20708. So we serve all of those zip codes. Individuals can receive food assistance, financial assistance for past due rent or utilities. We provide a ton of referrals. We we offer, well, pre-COVID offered the opportunity for providers to operate out of our space. So Department of Social Services was meeting with individuals to offer them uh, benefits, assistance for food stamps, temporary cash assistance, and a, a lot of other things. And then in addition to our emergency services, we were also operating and continue to operate for now 11 years, a permanent supportive housing program. And it's financially backed by HUD. So that's the Department of Housing and Urban Development. And so we're able to offer offer housing within the community to individuals who are chronically homeless. So that means they are homeless for at least one year or longer. Many of them were living on the streets, out of their cars, in shelters, and we've been able to work with them, place them in their own apartment. They're able to live independently, and then we provide supportive services to them. 
And those are our primary programs. And in addition to that, more recently, within the last three or four years, had um, added an additional program, and that is our self-sufficiency program. And that's a more holistic, long-term, wraparound case management program where we are working with individuals who really want to advance themselves financially, who want to move just beyond that stability piece so that they can have that long-term self-sufficiency. So we're providing, again, referrals, case management, and supports, as well as some incentives to help help them achieve their goals. Wow, that's great. So it's not like just getting to the next bill in the pile. It's like coming up with a long-term plan for, you know, uh, being able to thrive ultimately, right? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And, and it's really personalized. I mean, everyone has has different challenges that they face. So some person might come to the program and say, you know, my finances are really okay. My credit's not too bad, but I'm really struggling to pay for this certification in order to advance myself professionally. And I really need help with that. And, and just, I need someone to hold me accountable. And that's really where that case manager comes in They're They are a coach, so to speak. They're a mentor to them. So it, it's definitely personalized. And we're really trying to help people so that they can maintain that uh, self-sufficiency. Wow, that's really valuable and important. And some of those things that you're able to host at your actual facility that now kind of leads into my next question. How, <laughs> how have you sort of the uh, the very popular word pivoted, um, mm-hmm. you know, with COVID-19? I'm sure that's impacted your operations in that way and in many other ways. And how about in your team? I know you you had started, obviously, as a, a very small team and have grown over the last years into, into a, a pretty decent sized operation. But did you have to, unfortunately... Um, you know, let anyone go or how, how have you sort of, how did it impact you guys directly and in, in the way that you can help others? Yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful question. Obviously, understanding that, you know, of course, I think every business has been affected in some way. And, and I think the challenge for us was recognizing that we're providing an essential service and we did not feel that we had the option of closing. We felt it was absolutely important for us to stay open and continue to serve the community. We knew people were in need of food even more so than they were previously. We knew people were going to be behind on their rent. We knew people were going to have questions. So we had to come together, our leadership team, and and in conjunction with our board to determine how do we keep people safe. Um, in, In the past, prior to COVID, people could just walk into our building, into our crisis center, and ask for assistance. We decided not to allow clients to come into the building in order to keep them safe, keep our staff safe. So we moved from a walk-in to an appointment-only schedule. People needed to call, or now they can schedule appointments through our website. Uh, so, so that was definitely a change, and um, that allowed us to safely spread out our appointments. We began doing certain appointments, like financial assistance, over the phone, so people didn't even need to come to us. So some of the changes that we made were actually not uh, necessarily bad for someone. It, it allowed them to have a financial assistance appointment from their home or to schedule an appointment in advance and know when their appointment was and they could schedule maybe time off if they needed it. So some changes weren't necessarily bad, but they were different and change is always difficult for people. Staff having to wear masks, having to wear other PPE. Uh, we had to stop volunteers temporarily. We've we've restarted that program, but uh, for, for a point in time, our staff was doing all of the work that our wonderful volunteers had been doing, and we always appreciated our volunteers, but even more so during that time where we had to pause our program. Uh, so that was definitely difficult for us, and we had to stop some of our programs, like offering Department of Social Services to come out. They were not, uh, they were also operating virtually, so they could not come out and a few other providers who were coming to our space. So we had to say, sorry, you know, we can't offer these programs right now. So it was definitely a challenge. 
As far as how our staff was affected, um, we actually were very fortunate that the local government, our wonderful community members, recognized the need for our programs and were very generously bestowing upon us some additional funds. So we actually had the opportunity to grow our team. Really? That's um, fantastic. Wow. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. We didn't have to furlough anyone. No one's hours were reduced. And we were able to actually bring on two new people. So that has been absolutely essential because we were doing more. We were working in conjunction with the Department of Social Services of Prince George's County, who was overseeing the emergency rental assistance program last spring. And that was federal funding that came through the uh, Initial Cares Act. And so we were screening individuals for financial assistance appointments. So we needed extra hands yeah. <laughs> so that we could get through all of the cases. We were assigned 934 cases that we had to uh, had to look at and, wow. and connect with people. Yes, you just do so much work. It's almost like hard to fathom when you think about 934 file folders sitting on a desk <laughs> just to get in a, a visual of how many people you're helping and how many cases you have at any given time. Um, and has there been any positive like have you sort of has it COVID if anything positively has it like streamlined are you going to keep any of those sort of virtual ways of doing things because maybe that saves time on both ends or you're not you know someone's not taking the time to drive in somewhere you know what I mean like is there anything positive that came from sort of the change in the way you operate things sometimes Absolutely. So some of the things like having an appointment that someone could schedule through either our website or over the phone is obviously a lot less time intensive for us in-house just taking care of appointments and, and it allows us to be more prepared and streamlined. So that's something we definitely discussed that when we reopen and we definitely want to reopen soon and be able to offer people the opportunity to come back in our building because that face-to-face connection is really important and the things that someone might disclose to you in person is, is um, just a lot different than what they're going to do when they're talking to you over the phone or you're standing outside handing them a bag of food. So it really is absolutely essential. But we do think that some of the processes that we've we've um, adjusted really have been helpful to us. And some of the maybe additional services that we've been offering, we've been um, partnering with the, uh, D- the Greater D.C. Diaper Bank, and we had received an initial shipment of 40,000 diapers, which, you know, in addition to that 934 file cases, you're, you're also thinking, wow, your your space must be filled with diapers. And it, it surely was. Um, so to continue that partnership for as long as possible, because that's been absolutely essential. We've, we've been able to get out, you know, thousands of diapers every month to community members. So things like that, we definitely want to keep. That is wonderful. And if people are, are hearing this interview now, they're going to, they can also, um, you know, listen to it again. We're going to be putting it up on our website at today's 1019.com with a photo that you were kind enough to send me with your volunteers sort of sorting through those 40,000 diapers and just to give people kind of a visual about what you're doing. And that's a fantastic partnership. It sounds like you're going to continue uh, and keep up with outside of the pandemic as well, right? Yes, we're, we're very hopeful and we're very grateful to partners like that, um, as well as the City of Laurel, uh, which has been absolutely phenomenal to work with. They really stepped up and stepped in really quickly after the pandemic began and brought together a lot of our community partners. And uh, they really were focusing in on the food insecurity and were making food, additional produce and, and other items available to us and other partners on a, on a fairly regular basis and offering to, through some of their employees and services, drive 
food to seniors in the community who are not feeling very safe coming out of their homes. So they, they, the city would come to our office, pick up the food, and drop it off to seniors in the community. So things like that, as well as partnering with us to be able to offer financial assistance to prevent evictions. We've been very grateful to them. Yes, it's also important. And have the needs, how have they changed of the community um, since COVID-19? Have they increased, I would imagine, because of the pandemic? Yes, absolutely. Especially when it comes to that financial assistance. I think with the food insecurity, it's obviously a, a huge need, but I think a lot of uh, both government and you know organizations like Lars recognize that and really like stepped up. And, and I think people in the community were like, yes, I want to donate food. And it seemed like a more tangible service to be able to step up and step in and, and to offer to help fill that gap. So I do see a lot of food uh, pop-up locations with in the city, across the county we're in, and, and other jurisdictions. But I think with a financial assistance program, that has been more of a struggle for individuals in the community to identify resources that are that are offering that type of service. And a lot of the programs that um, are you know, funded through the Federal CARES Act and that emergency rental assistance program, some of it's a little bit more elusive and confusing. So I think that has been a struggle. And so we have been at this point able to to adjust and our our case managers are having 21 appointments per week um, and and so that we're looking at over 80 appointments 80 new financial assistance appointments each month and just to um, give you some context that was maybe half to a third of uh, or more that now than what we were doing prior to the pandemic. So we're definitely seeing the need increase exponentially and our appointments are backed up, you know, into the following month. So we're at least a few weeks out, but we've been able to do more because there's been more money available to us from funding partners like the city or the county or wonderful community members. So we've been able to offer more financial assistance to people uh, who are behind even more. Most people are behind three or four months. Um, as opposed to maybe one or two months when they were coming to see us prior to the pandemic. Yeah, that's really overwhelming. I th- it's easy to get behind, and that is so true. And even with a stimulus, that could be you know a quick fix for like one payment or something. But honestly, I mean, every little bit helps. I get that. But it, once you get behind, it's just um, it's tough. And you know, that being said, um, you know, what new challenges do you anticipate seeing once the eviction moratorium is lifted at the end of March, which we're coming up on? Um, in just a few days. Um, gosh, that seems like a big, big thing that you're working on, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's frightening. I, I, I know for us and and I can only imagine for someone who is behind on their on their rent and, and thinking ahead just a little over a week. I did have the opportunity to speak with a board member who um, talked with me about a partner that they're working with who I guess might have the inside scoop on this um, and that it sounds like hopefully um, she, you know, no promises, but hopefully the moratorium will be extended. But assuming that at right now it is not. Um, we're really just anticipating even more calls and really having to ramp up even more so our efforts. And and so we've tried to pivot even more and make sure that we have enough volunteers in place to help with some of our other services so that our case managers can focus on the financial assistance requests. We've also internally had conversations. I've had conversations with the board about the need to tap into reserves or additional uh, unrestricted resources that we have on hand so that we can um, rise up to, to the challenge of meeting the growing requests. 
And being such an established organization like Lars is, being around for 34 years, I, you have access. I'm sure a lot of nonprofits, unlike you, because you've been able to, um, you know, grow a little bit, and you've had that support of the community and the additional funding necessary. But a lot of nonprofits we hear and talk to are really struggling as well, and they're trying to help people who are also struggling. So, you know, if there's a little bright light in there, it is that you have sort of that that power behind, you know your resources and all, and all that you've done over the years that sort of it's got to be helpful that when you pick up the phone they're like oh yes how can we help you know you hear Lars and you're like okay I'm going to talk to Leah Paley they, they do great work um, that's got to be a good feeling absolutely um, we are so very grateful to um, the individuals in our community who have really supported us and and helped us be successful it would not be possible without the individuals who believe in and recognize our work and and I truly do feel like people who have um, access our services feel like when they do call us that even if we can't help them directly we can offer a resource I mean I personally help to manage our Facebook page and we offer oftentimes receive uh, inquiries, requests for assistance through the page, and um, often they're not eligible because they don't live in our service area. But I'll always ask, where do you live? And try to find something that is in their community so I can say, okay, this is the best number for you to call because you're in this community. Or, hey, we might not be able to do anything, um, but this other provider that we're partners with is phenomenal, and, and this is a great resource for you. And uh, you know they always say we're all in this together, but that's so true. And that's where I think I would say the referral services part of your name, Laurel mm-hmm. Advocacy and Referral Services, comes from. And now might be an important time to tell people to your website if they're, they're interested, um, laureladvocacy.org and those social media platforms like you were talking about managing your Facebook, which is great that you're getting in there and doing that and people can reach out because a lot of people are still using Facebook for, for um, that purpose. And Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it, you've got those direct links <laughs> on, your, on your website and all of the other things um, that you guys do and the services you provide. People can um, log on there when they have a minute and and check that out. And um, as we're talking about, you know, things sort of, you know, getting back to normal at all kind of is a lot vaccine dependent. Um, have they have you sort of been involved at all in the sort of the equity of the distribution of the vaccine? Or is anybody coming to you um, in that process of how to get vaccines to people that need them and making sure that they're available to people who need them and all that? I know it's a huge problem that we're that nobody really has the answer to yet but is has your work sort of crossed over into that area at all a little bit. Um, I will say it's, it's more about awareness and making sure that we're sharing information with our clients using the platforms that you just named, as well as email. We have mo- a lot of our clients have shared their email addresses, so we're making sure that as we receive updates to share them with clients. And then personally, um, or I shouldn't say personally, but professionally within our organization, um, we have had the opportunity through the Prince George's Department, Prince George's Department of Social Services, um, to be able to access vaccines for our, for both our staff as well as our permanent supportive housing clients. So, because our staff are um, considered essential workers and they are they are in the office, they're going out in the community. We've been able to connect them and to kind of expedite their vaccinations, which has been absolutely wonderful. And then also for individuals in our permanent supportive housing program many of whom have chronic pre-existing conditions who um, really just have been the most vulnerable throughout this pandemic. So we've been able to um, fast track them as, as needed. 
That is fantastic to hear that. And um, you know what else I noticed on your logo? In addition to the website and your social media, it says support Lars by shopping at Amazon Smile. Can people do that? Oh, absolutely. And I was so excited to learn that finally on the Amazon app, you can um, you can preference it before you could only do it through um, the website and not on the app. But yes, you can select Lars as your charity of choice. And we've, you know, every little bit counts. I think, um, you know, it's usually around 100 to $150 that we're getting every few months. And, and that's been absolutely wonderful and an added bonus. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, they, a lot, it takes a minute sometimes for the app to catch up with, and we don't always have a desktop computer popped up if you're, you know, just on your mm-hmm. phone and need that. So that's excellent. And that is sort of, does that break down on your website, laureladvocacy.org, sort of your current needs and what you're looking for right now? Or I'm sure financial donations are, are always welcome. Yes, absolutely. We have a whole donation section um, that I think you just had referenced, and and um, it links to actually our Amazon wish list, so you can shop from our wish list using Amazon Smile. So you're supporting us in two different ways, and and there's lots of other great ways to support us. Have your own food drive. Um, perhaps you want to around the holiday season adopt a family. There's lots of of different ways to support the organization. That's very cool. I'm sure. Do you have any of those heartwarming stories? We- we see on the news about kids that are getting food drives together. Other kids don't want to see other kids hungry. You know, there have been some wonderful national stories about that as well. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you have personal stories or moments that really stand out to you when you think about the ba- past year and the challenges and the people that you've helped and the people that you've met. Um, you know, maybe if you could paint a picture for us and tell us about some of those wonderful families mm-hmm. and kids and parents and everybody who's just trying to do the best they can. Absolutely. I feel like so many just came to mind and I'm going, which one do I want to highlight? So I'll start with the one that happened most recently. Um, There was uh, a woman who I I think has her own baking business, but her children were really um, into helping her and were really wanting to give back to the community. So I guess they raised some money um, to be able to put together some care packages. And then in addition to that, I guess the new fad is uh, the cocoa bombs. Oh, yes. (laughs) The hot uh, hot they're so good but they put a bunch of those together for us too in addition to the care packages and they dropped them off i think it was just last week but it was so sweet and they're school-aged kids and it was just so thoughtful and there's honestly been so many stories that like that that i've lost count it's just been so humbling and so overwhelming and you know in, in a time where i think everyone has just been so frustrated and feeling maybe a little hopeless and when is this going to end it's been so uplifting to have people like that really just restore faith in in humanity and and we're really lucky that we work in an environment where we get to witness those those acts of kindness and people paying it forward um, every day. I actually just thought of one other one that I wanted to share because it was just so sweet but so small um, but it, it, it meant so much this this gentleman who lives in the community and regularly will stop by and donate small things like a couple tubes of toothpaste or a can of soup. He stopped by just a week or two ago and brought a single flower. I think it was a carnation. And he asked uh, whoever on our team answered the door and and said, I really would like for you to give this to a homeless person. I I, I think it would help to brighten their day. And I'm just asking if if you could do that on my behalf. And I just thought that was beautiful. So just just things like that. It really is. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing those stories. And I'm I'm sure there are so many more. And um, do you find that people, um, you know, the Today Show and other 
uh, you know, news organizations have really been um, trying to shine the spotlight on food insecurity in particular and also housing to to a degree. Maybe they need to do that a little more, in my opinion. But um, is have you found that, you know, people are a little bit more aware of what you do now um, in the pandemic? Because I think we whether we've all sort of felt the need personally a little more or our neighbors, do you feel like they're even more, you know, thankful for Lars and and the services that you provide? Do you feel like there's a greater awareness now? I do think so. Even if if I'm just um, thinking to the new names that pop up very regularly now and throughout the past year uh, on our list of donors, uh, people whose names I I don't recognize and I know must be someone new uh, to to donating, people who have showed up as volunteers who are new to the organization, people who have planned a food drive, who hadn't done so, who have just called and said, how can I help? I want to help. What can I do? So I definitely think whether it be, um, uh, you know, us kind of trying to capitalize uh, on what's going on and the recognition that our work is really important and trying to get the word out there or people who are just saying, I want to do something who is in my community. And there's definitely been a lot of that people being proactive and saying, I have and I want to pay it forward. That's great. And if people are thinking right now, what can they do to help? What are the you know, what are you most in need of right now? And how is it best that people can help you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, money is always wonderful. And we obviously, as we've been talking about, are, are putting it right back to work in our community by helping people with things like rental assistance and also by purchasing food to be able to give through our pantry. But people um, also can give to us by providing us with food assistance. If you don't live in the Laurel community, then you can go to our Amazon wish list and you can order some of the items on our wish list. We have things like food, we have toiletries, we have diapers. So those are also wonderful things. And and the gift of time. There is nothing more wonderful than the gift of time. If you are local um, or even if you're not, but you want to make the trip down, we are definitely trying to increase the number of volunteers. We're being safe. Um, we're taking temperatures. We're wearing masks. Um, but we we are trying to get more volunteers in our office space to help support our staff. Excellent. And we've got just a couple minutes left. Um, and I know you guys are known for usually uh, pre-pandemic for your great events and fundraisers and things. But do you have any upcoming events or virtual events that you would like to highlight as we wrap things up? Sure, absolutely. So um, we do have the uh, Do More 24 event. And that is on the 19th of May. So we have a little bit of time and we'll be updating our website to um, be able to share more information about that. It's an online 24-hour fundraiser and our goal is to raise $20,000 in 24 hours. We did it last year. We're, we're confident we can do it again and we're really grateful to anyone who considers donating on, on that day to our organization. Excellent. And we've been talking to Leah Paley. She's the Executive Director of LARS which is known as Laurel Advocacy and Referral Services, Inc. in the Laurel, Maryland area, of course. And uh, is there anyone that you want to thank on your team? I know it's been quite a year and we have another one um, ahead of us as well that we're in the middle of right now. You don't do it alone, that's for sure. Um, is there anybody special you'd like to thank before we uh, before we send you on your way? Absolutely. Well, I think there'd be too many names to go through, um, but you are right. I have not done it alone, not even close. I have such a wonderful team. Everyone has really stepped up. They have maintained such positive attitudes. They have shown up every day and tirelessly worked to serve our community. So I just want to give 
snaps, as we like to say in our office, to everyone on our team. They are absolutely phenomenal. It's so great to hear that you're, you know, not only thriving, but growing and, and your community has continued to step up and support you for all the amazing work that you do. And again, laureladvocacy.org is where people can find you online, also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check out that Amazon Smile wish list and give what you can. Leah Paley, Executive Director of Lars Laurel Advocacy and Referral Services, Inc. Thank you so much for catching up with us and joining us again. And uh, we look forward to having you on in the future to get an update. Thank you so much. And you all out there, thank you so much for listening. This has been a production of Entercom Baltimore.